Rachel. Yes, Andy. Sam. Yes, Andy. It's the best thing you ever saw. Hello and welcome back to Best Thing I Ever Saw, where we savor and digest a cinematic taste test of a trichotomous genre. Do you two speak trichotomous? <laughs> no, we're not going back. <gasps> a special thank you to Dylan Stratton for our theme music that you just heard and Leah Saradarian for our little clip art. Okay, awesome. Well, this uh, episode, we're doing something that we were so excited about. I think this was definitely the genre that we, when we thought of it, we were most jazzed, like coming out of the phone call to decide the genre. Um, and that's trilogies. We're doing trilogies today. We're doing trilogies. Get, we're doing trilogies. Get your, your triptychs ready, folks, because... Good things come in threes. Um, so we're, let's talk genre journey for trilogies. I think it's a little tricky because oh, we should, should we just do the list first? Because I feel like the list is actually, the movies are more important than the idea of trilogies, unless people had journeys with the idea of trilogies. Oh yeah, I've been thinking about the idea of trilogies since way back. Uh, no, I'll, I'll go through the, the list of trilogies. This is the order that I saw them because that actually there's a couple of them that span a large period of years. So uh, we have the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. We have the original Star Wars trilogy. We have the Lord of the Rings trilogy. In my case, extended edition. I don't know about what y'all plebeians were watching. Is there any other? Okay, that's good to hear. Uh the Godfather trilogy and the Before trilogy, which doesn't, it, I mean, it's not the, it's the Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Before Midnight, Richard Linklater trilogy. And those are the ones we chose. We'll get into why we chose those and what the parameters were later, but in terms of genre journey, Rachel. Yeah, the first and most formative trilogy was definitely Star Wars. The re-release in theaters happened at a formative age for me. Get ready to get embarrassed, Sam, because uh, that's like definitely the first time I was conscious of like, there were three things and they were released. It wasn't one big dump. So it was like, I think six months apart or something like that. Um, and we saw each one in the theater at Lake Street Theater. I saw them. I saw the first one with my dad, which is actually a... I think that starts again with Lord of the Rings. I saw the first one with my dad, just the two of us, because Sam was pretty little. Uh, and then we tried to see the second one, Empire Strikes Back, uh, the three of us. And Sam freaked out. And uh, we were going to leave. And I was really mad about it. And then luckily, we saw my friend Caroline's mom in the movie theater. And I was able to finish watching the movie with Caroline because Sam had to leave because he was freaking out. Well, should we, can we list all the movies you freaked out during when you were little? Just like one. Also, like, it's not quite fair. You were probably like four. Yeah, Macintosh I was, style. I was like six when I was freaking out at movies. Anyway, but it's not our so age that, and then, and, and then, but, but I'm saying that's not our age difference, but when I was freaking, I was freaking out at movies a lot later than you oh, were. Oh, okay. Um, but 
And then I don't really remember watching the third one in theaters, but then we got the VHSs. And that was just like a very key trilogy. I remember the look of that box. I remember like playing it. Like there's such an iconic image in my brain. Oh, she had a box that went on. (laughs) Uh, I could like picture the whole thing. And then, um, yeah, so I was, I, was very into the idea of trilogies. I just really associated them with Star Wars, I think, until pretty late in my life because then the prequel trilogy came out and which we're not discussing. And so I think I just really associated them with Star Wars until I was like an adult and watched these other movies. I'm like, oh, I guess there's other kinds of trilogies too. But to me, they are, it's forever linked with Star Wars. Yeah, that's my journey. I have a pretty similar one, uh, as usual. Uh, but I'd Starts say while Star Wars, <laughs> while Star Wars was my first trilogy, I think the most formative and which will be echoed over and over again in this podcast when I talk about it was Lord of the Rings because, as Rachel mentioned, I I specifically remember you, Rachel, and our father the night you saw it talking about it i i very much remember because i mean i always would get up out of my chair before everyone else after dinner and kind of like wander around and like play with a soccer ball but i remember you guys talking about it and me being and me just like you guys a long history of sam ducking out of family conversations early just i was still there (laughs) in spirit and in mind just not in body um and I remember you talking about it and I remember being really interested by it and it was just kind of this like weird fantasy world that I, I had literally no idea about and I'm then I saw the first movie when it came out on DVD I remember getting it I don't know if I was sick or was pretending to be sick and it was like the middle of the day when Rachel you were out you were not there and we like went to Best Buy and bought the DVD brought it back and I watched it and I was I I mean I don't remember like feeling obsessed, but I had to have been because I was my obsessed. dad and I watched my dad started reading the books to me. Uh, and then I saw every other movie when it came out. Um, and I've seen the movies. At this point, I don't know if it's the movies I've seen the most anymore because I've seen like random rom-coms a lot. Like I've seen You've Got Mail so many times. Um, but I just love those movies and that is what I think of when I think of a trilogy. That's what I think of when I think of marathoning a trilogy. Um, Yeah. And I hadn't even seen any of the Godfather movies until two weeks ago. That's so wild. That's so great. Which is very wild. Um, Otherwise that might've, that might've been more of what, like what I thought of when I thought of like the Ur text, but that's my, Genre journey. <laughs> yeah, I guess mine is mostly similar, being a little bit older than you two. Um, but yeah, it still all goes back to Star Star Wars, and I think it's sort of on an equal footing, just in terms of memorable boxes. Um, <laughs> growing up, uh, when I did, I, I can see I'm you know, picturing you know, the big entertainment unit in our house that had on the left-hand side, all of our VHS tapes and um, 
think you know Star Wars as a trilogy was as memorable to me as Indiana Jones and Back to the Future and probably Alien, the Alien trilogy. Um, that was sort of, or not the first box set. We're talking boxes again. We got to read. We got to rebrand this podcast as the uh, best box you ever I saw. I just think of <laughs> the Who song "Squeeze Box." Is it Squeeze Box? What yeah, is it? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Mama's got a squeeze box. Daddy can't sleep at night. I always thought it was Mama's Got a Squeeze, but Daddy Can't Sleep at Night. No, it's Squeeze Box. Well, the title of the song is Squeeze Box. I don't know if I ever knew the title of the song, but I always thought Mama's Got a Squeeze. <laughs> like, Mama's, like, I thought it was like a euphemism for sex. Like, Mama's Gotta, like, squeeze. Like, that's, ha- and but Daddy's Gotta Sleep. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I thought it was, I thought it was like an interrogative where it was, it was like Squeeze Box. <laughs> Keep going. But in terms of in terms of marathon, that was sort of yeah. I mean, that was the group of movies that I watched the most in marathon form that made up a trilogy as a kid. It was sort of an event that you would get excited for. You had such and such friends coming over that Friday night, and you know, you had planted the flag in the agenda saying that we're going to marathon the you know, the three star Wars movies. Um, weird journey with the Godfather. <laughs> I watched it for the first time on a road trip to Florida when I was in high school. Um, we propped up like a VHS TV combo unit in between the two front pilot chairs. Um, and that was how I experienced the Godfather for the first time. And then I think I maybe tried to as watch it, was it. Meant, I think I think, yeah, Fran- like as it I was think Francis to- would have been proud. I, I watched yeah. it for the first time on a plane, which is like the like very. I, we were on a plane ride to Europe, and I watched The Godfather. And I meant to maybe like try on and- the te- like, it was like it was of the selection, huh? I was maybe gonna try to reverse engineer the description of it, but yeah. So I I don't think I had really respectfully watched The Godfather until uh, Rachel and I were together several years later, but I, I, I did give Godfather part two my full attention. I remember being very excited for it in high school based on the description, like the little blurb, like on the back of the DVD or something like that, that talks about, you know, the Corleone family moving to Las Vegas and taking over the casinos. And I, my expectations were so wildly different than what the movie actually is. And I just was not ready to take it all in. And it was just like, huh, that was something. And they sure do say Hyman Roth a lot. <laughs> um, but now it's it's um, like Lord of the Rings is just a fixture in, in our household. We watch the two trilogies each, each year. Um, and speaking of Lord of the Rings, I remember, so I was in I think eighth grade when, yeah, I was in eighth grade when the first one came out and I didn't know Lord of the Rings from anything else. I still have never read the books. Um, Or actually I didn't know The Hobbit. So I guess I was somewhat familiar with it. I I, I read The Hobbit in in middle school and we went to see a stage play of The Hobbit in middle school. Um, But anyways, I was- That book has been done dirty so many times. (laughs) 
think that that book has been done dirty and it's like largely because middle school English teachers ruined it. Like I fully, be- I, I will stand by the fact that like middle school English teachers owe the, like the Hobbit a formal apology. <laughs> And I, I can remember just being sort of a smart ass, you know, troublemaking eighth grader and my brother being really excited for this Lord of the Rings movie that was coming out. It's coming out around Christmas time. There, it's it's going to be one movie a year for the next two years. And I just thought, what is this? You know, like, dorky. And meanwhile, like this is while the Star Wars prequels are coming out and I am, you know, a, a big nerd, not like I was some you know, big man on campus or anything like that. But I just remember thinking like, what is this dorky, stupid, like Lord of the Rings thing that my brother is so excited for? And he had a big midnight, like pre-midnight screening party at our house before he and like 20 of his friends went to the theater to, to see it um, the night it came out at midnight. And I remember uh, they, and they all slept over at our house that night. And I remember seeing a friend of my brother's out the next morning and I was still kind of feeling myself like make fun. Oh yeah. Did you have fun at that? You know, stupid, you know, like sword play movie last night or whatever. And I called out to him, you know, Hey, yeah. Like same time next year, we'll, we'll do the midnight screening next year. Cut to next year. I literally saw the two towers <laughs> in the theater with him because we were like first in line. And I was, I was fully converted and obsessed one year later. And I mean, it was really because of the card game. So I, having been a card game player since I could hold cards in my hand, playing the Star Wars card game and Magic the Gathering, the company that made the Star Wars and Star Trek card games made a, um, you know, officially licensed card game based on the aesthetics and, and stills and whatnot of the movie. And the instant I saw my brother and this friend of his who I went to see the Two Towers with one year later playing with those cards, I was, oh my God, it has been in the bloodstream ever since. And it is just at the focal point of so much of, you know, what I still enjoy and, and, and you know, do with my, my time here today. And I'll say, it's spent a lot on Lord of the Rings here, but I um, still probably say the return of the king is the best experience i've ever had in a movie theater and it wasn't even the first time i saw it so i saw it i remember i was i was at lunch and because i was a sophomore by this point so I'm, i'm at you know high school lunch in the cafeteria and my father comes to take me out of school early to see like the opening day, early morning, early afternoon screening of Return of the King. And like the two friends I'm eating lunch with, you know, their jaws just hit the table and they're just, just between like, are you kidding me? I would kill to see that movie right now. And like, are you kidding me? You get to leave school to see the Lord of the Rings right now. Um, and then a few the later that weekend, we were, we were again on this trip to Florida. I think it was the same trip when I watched The Godfather. But we were in Universal City Walk that has this massive, you know, Coliseum-esque auditorium for, for screening movies. And I just remember on like a Saturday, Sunday night going to is still relatively early in its release screening of, of The Return of the King. And it just brought the house down and it was just so much fun to just like be in this massive theater with this massive amount of audience engagement. Um, like I remember when like Gandalf hits Denethor with the staff, um, everyone just like hooting and hollering. And it was, 
And it, it was cool to like Sherpa my brother for, cause it was the first time he was seeing it. And I felt of course, as the younger brother thinking like, I got to see the greatest movie of all time first. And I get to sort of, you know, chaperone you into this experience. It's like, you're not going to believe it. It's so amazing. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, those are so such, you know, cherished movie memories from, from boxes to, to big, from boxes to the big screen, I think is what we could rebrand under. Um, and the rest, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I watched the before trilogies and said, hey, Rachel, you should watch these. They're pretty good. Oh, I'm, yeah. And I mean, Batman's that's like. And, yeah, I mean, just the sort of more contemporary ones. Like I saw the Batman movies when they came out. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> and Batman of, I saw yeah. in the wrong order. I saw Dark Knight first. Interesting. Like, I was not going to be, I wasn't going to watch Batman unless it was like a deal. And it was only once Dark Knight came out that it was like a deal. So, yeah, I think I was saying, I think I saw Batman Begins after Dark Knight. And I, I did see Dark Knight Rises at a midnight. That I think is the only one of these movies that I saw like at a midnight screening. And I specifically remember watching it in theaters because I've seen Lord of the Rings so many times since then. And also, so many times of the extended I, do, I don't remember what is extended version and what isn't for the most yeah. part so yeah just so in terms of, yeah, i don't remember yeah, yeah. going i don't remember going to the theaters to see them i know i did but i just don't i don't remember that experience i remember seeing the return of the king in the theater it was the main like street theater and we were sitting pretty up close but yeah there's a lot of audience engagement if i remember correctly should we move on to defining terms because this week we, yeah, we kind of grappled find with out that. what a trilogy is it's three movies that are like of a set <laughs> there's like some hazy edges though because that's you my know, porn star name we did not, <laughs> we did not define trilogies by like like we could have said you know three movies that were always supposed to be three movies and were conceived to be three movies it's a trilogy um but we didn't like if it is three movies in a set it counts um there's some like sort of unofficial trilogies like i don't think like the chris nolan batman movies like because they're defined by three directors are like inherently a trilogy um i don't think like but we did that because it's like it's a natural way of blocking them off uh we did not like take out three movies of a longer series like you couldn't do like the first three harry potter movies that was not allowed because that's that's a seven for the last three or an eight yeah for like four or five even though i would say that that is a very conceived like seven like eight part nine nine part one or sorry six seven part one seven part two is like i think of a piece but anyway um and yeah i mean that's like those are the terms it's movies that are intended for three things would the other question here is would any if we had brought in our terms would any have really been warranting of adding to the list i think that it could have been worthwhile to say do like the three sam raimi spider-man movies but we talked about how that lends itself to yeah, perhaps more exciting content in that you just do like every movie that had Spider-Man a Spider-Man movie. in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially well, no, not since... every movie that had a Spider-Man in it. We're not watching. Are we gonna watch? Never mind. It's for later. Day. I've never even seen. Watch... I gave oh, up look on behind the, first the curtain, Garfield ladies and gentlemen. 
Oh if no, I was talking... thinking about like Captain America: Civil War. Oh, I maybe I was. All I was saying, thinking you were maybe referring to the Garfield ones, um, no. <laughs> which I've seen like twenty five percent. I was of... thinking of and the MCU and all the MCU movies that have Spider. I was. I thought when we never mind. I thought we were just gonna do like films with Spider Man in the title, basically. Oh, okay. Well, I was. Gonna, it's. It's a. It could be a fun project later this year if they if the release schedule holds because at the end of the year supposedly the we're not only getting the the third tom holland spider-man movie but it is based on uh, like the spider-verse and toby mcguire like andrew garfield i don't know if the spider-men are going to yeah. be in it but like they're bringing like the villains from the different universes so we can i heard that they are maybe gonna be spider-man I know that to- Spider-Man, um, Jamie Fox, and um... no, no, no. I, I heard. I thought I heard that the other Spider-Men will be in it as well in some capacity. Maybe as extras. Yeah. Maybe as a, like an an homage kind of. Yeah, like but just anyway. sort of like a, okay. We it's can... like a wink to our episode. I'm guessing. I think probably a wink exactly, to our episode. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. So that was that was our deferment. I mean, trilogies are trilogies. So I think that that's that was pretty easy to do. Um, yeah, we could talk about like different kinds of trilogies later, but uh, I'll to say me, the, the Toy Stories too. To we oh yeah, the Toy Stories. But then, but, they fourth, but then they made a fourth. But then they made a fourth one, fourth. so it like, really like it's that not up. a trilogy anymore. So that's tricky. Right, a lot of them. Like, yeah, a lot of them. They like there. There's a difference between things that happen to be three, and things that are naturally three. But even things that happen, even things that you think are naturally three, they'll add, they'll add something to it to make money. One thing that I watched in the intervening time was the original Jason Bourne trilogy, mm. which is l- largely due to personal taste. I think one of the greatest trilogies <laughs> of all time. Oh boy! But aren't there more than three? Of That's them? another issue. Yeah, well, there's, so there's more like... than three. Although those three really do stand alone because the fourth one is one of the many franchises in which Jeremy Renner was brought in with the purpose of introducing him as the main character and then they went back to the <laughs> poor jeremy renner he's poor been dead jeremy dirty renner. Um, uh, which but, i actually watched we watched that one too and it's pretty good anyway by that definition though like i like this is where defined terms actually gets kind of interesting because by that definition if you get to just cut off the thing that you don't feel like is legitimate you could say that the godfather isn't a trilogy for some people who don't like three i'm not saying that we're here for that but i'm saying some people would say that um like so i don't think you get to cut off the thing that you think doesn't stand up to the rest of the thing it has to be (laughs) self-contained um so anyway every trilogy has its ups and downs yeah yes um some some more some more uh, steep than others we'll get into that there's a question specifically for that yeah now we'll talk about justify my list oh i cracked i'm sorry I didn't hear it. Okay. Um, can't. So yeah, we went over the list already, uh, and and kind of the parameters for the list very much inform the ones we chose. Um, yeah, I mean, there's certain things that we we were definitely a little bit harder on this one to be like truly no non-contenders because it's three movies. It's a commitment, you know. I think if we had endless time and we're willing to make a 30 movie thing, we would have put in the new Star Wars trilogy or 
I don't know what else. Born, <laughs> yeah, this the one. Born original the Born, born movies. movies. Or we talked about like um, the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans. Like we talked about doing other stuff. Oh, Indiana um, Jones. Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, like we were just very uh, strict because we knew that Which I think each what, thing would be a It's nice to have movie. such a severe limiting factor because it really, it's, it's a svelte list, you know? And it's a lot of contenders, like honestly. And it's one of our first without, um, I think this is the first without a, like, uh, like a list inspired entry to explore. Um, what was, I'm trying to think of the, oh, love it or listed. Yeah. So there's no love it or listed here because these are all movies we had seen before. Um, so we didn't add a trilogy because, Hey, Vulture said that the, um, I was, John Wick was the first thing that came to mind, but that's not something like people love John Wick. I've never seen the John Wick movies, but uh, pretty good. I don't know. What's something that like Vulture would say? Oh, you got to check out the. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah. like the Jason Bourne trilogy. I, um, I think. Um... Fuck you, Vulture. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably why we were so excited about it is because like these were we it was not a lot that we had to feel like we had to massage or fact check we sort of knew the contenders i mean i think like some people will look at that and be like you have the before movies on there like these are a lot of action movies or sci-fi movies and then you have this like philosophical romantic thing but it is such a good natural trilogy like yeah, you can't it's like not one of the it tr- as, it's one of the truer it's, trilogies it's the trilogiest trilogy it's it's i think that it is, it's so trichotomous. So you can't deny it for that. And it's also so good. Like you can't, so just to have it taken off because it doesn't have quite the same, like, I mean, whatever. We could talk about it later. I would, if there was a fourth one that was released, I'd see it at midnight. I'd see it before midnight. I'd see it before midnight. <laughs> like, like I, so that's, I guess, if that's a head scratcher for some. There we go. But I don't think any of the other ones would be head scratchers. I think maybe like in 10 years, the Chris Nolan Batmans will not be looked on with quite the amount of affection that they are now. But like they were such a big deal in a very formative phase of all of our lives that we had to include it. Especially because that we'll get into this. That feels like one of the most just like the Batman Begins is is kind of still one foot in the uh... Tim Burton. Tim Burton, not yes. Joe Shoemaker, but Tim Burton realm um, in a lot of ways. So, but I still, it still makes sense as a trilogy. Um, so yeah, that's our, that's our list. And uh, I always forget what's up next. I think we just go straight into the awards or yeah. is there yeah, something? Um, so it looks like we have a, a, a stranger in my house. Where is he? <laughs> Where's who? Where's Shmoolies? Shmoolies is right here. You're looking at him. I need Shmoolies. <laughs> He's right here. Where? I, I mean, your vision might be impaired because that, that mask is riding a little high, but... Oh, God. When I first saw that mask... Wait, so first, who are you? Who what mask? <laughs> are you are you the mask? Was the mask part of you? Some people 
Speaking of speaking of stumped, a friend told me <laughs> that Bruce Maine is my mask. Oh, so this is like a? Is, are you Bane? Wait, Bruce, Bruce Maine Ma- is my mask. Wow, you've stumped us. <laughs> you've stumped, stumped us. the schmoolies. <laughs> I feel like I'm among friends. Can I use okay, my real good. voice? Yes, you yeah, can yeah, use yeah, your yeah, real yeah. voice. Go ahead. You can you can stop it. It's like really fucking chilly you to let me use my own voice. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be Ramundo again. <laughs> Sorry. Oh shit, you I mean Commerce Secretary Gina Ramundo. <laughs> I love the glow up for her. I love the glow up. Oh God. Okay. You're, yeah. Okay. You were uh, you were saying something about Bruce Maine. What was what is that? <laughs> okay. If I tell you my alter ego, are you gonna like fuck it, like tell other people and shit? No, certainly no, 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 not. No, no. And this is yeah. definitely not a podcast that's available yeah, on iTunes. This is not being recorded. Don't worry. So you probably know me as the Stat Man, but I'm also Bruce Maine. <laughs> oh, okay. So Bruce Maine is is your alter ego's alter ego but still not you next question <laughs> <laughs> so okay so bruce Maine, when you're this so wow so it's not a play i'm so glad that so much of the comedy is visual because <laughs> podcasting is a visual medium as we know well, I mean, Bruce May doesn't know that he's on a podcast. Or, sorry, sorry. He's just, he just wandered into this house. Bruce, I breathe on to... my enemies. <laughs> oh, they see my nose piece flap like this. Where, where? If you don't mind me asking, where, where's that? Where's that accent? Is that southern, southern Texas, or what is that? Uh... It's a little spotty at times. So my father, <laughs> Thomas Maine, famous songwriter. Oh, Sometimes it. a doctor. Oh, okay, okay, okay. My mother yeah, yeah, was yeah. mid-Atlantic. That yeah, makes sense. That's why she loved those pearls so much, right? Always pearl pearls. Neck- Say, are we talking pearl necklaces, Sam? We're talking pearl necklaces. Oh, okay. <laughs> Save it for tonight, Sam. <laughs> Virtual pearl necklace. Um, but yes, I am the wait, stat man. So maybe like... Wait, I chose so your dad that is name. in Jackson, Maine? I'm confused. Who? <laughs> okay, sorry. No relation to Jackson, Maine. Never mind. But I am the stat man. I chose that name because stats <laughs> frighten me. Oh, they oh. do. I get it now. That took me a while. <laughs> no, my father, he, he, he ran a tight ship. He said, Bruce, you got to do two things in life you gotta fight crime and take at least one statistics class (laughs) and every night when i would finish my stats homework my daddy would come in and say he you know he'd he'd, he'd check it over he's he's sort of an amateur statistician and he'd 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 say it was it was all good but then he'd kind of stop and and turn back and say let me take another look at you So in stats, so, I got straight A. Wait, so where did your fear of stats start? 
It started with my daddy, Sam. Jeez. Uh, okay, but you got straight. It sounds like you had a good. It's just uh, complicated. Like, I got it. It's a complex relationship, but you have devoted your life to the stat and crime fighting well, and, the night. Crime and fighting. the night and the night and the night night stats night stats i get night it stat. night Look, stats. you gotta be a statistician if you're gonna wrap your mind around this universe this multiverse of stat men sure exactly <laughs> yeah she's singing i i hear i hear the the lady over there talking like she she's heard of one of the oldest stat men who's the oldest stat man adam east oh god adam adam's a friend he's the one who told he said look he said bruce bruce is your mask Wait, is Adam East also Maggie Gyllenhaal? I'm so confused. What? <laughs> no, Adam East is not Maggie Gyllenhaal, Schmoolies. I need you sharper than that, brother. But yeah, there's Adam East. Oh, so she's oh, so he's Katie Holmes. There's Michael Ketoff. Which I always thought it sounded like Michael Katowski, and he's hiding some Judaism. I usually keep that one to myself, but yeah, there's Michael Katoff. So you're Bruce Bane, the anti-Semitic Statman. No, what? (laughs) A couple years later, there was... Again, there's a whole multiverse of stat men, you guys. There's Val Resurrectmer. <laughs> oh, God. Not Val Livmer? No. <laughs> I guess it's the opposite. Okay, okay. The opposite of hate isn't love. It's a difference, Sam. You know, get on it. <laughs> George Answer Elbow. Another stat man. George Wait, George Clooney. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> Buddhist Bale. Oh, okay. Stat Fleck. We have a Stat Fleck. Stat Fleck's a good one. He was a great, he's underrated well, uh, stat man. You, you, check in on him. He, you know, he just, just went through a breakup. He, just he did Ana de Legmus. <laughs> was in this terrific movie, Forks In, in my universe. Was not an awful throwaway movie. Don't you start that in this man. universe? It I'm gonna come over there. I'm gonna come over there and it was one of my favorites. I'm gonna I'm throw some stats in your I'm face. I'm working so you. hard to make a Dunkin' Donuts joke right now of like lay up in donuts, but it's not working. But in, anyways, I so which one of you is, is Schmoolies? That's me. Oh, okay. as you refer to the lady. Less talking, please. I, <laughs> Uh, 
Amish Moulise. It's me. Shmoulise, brother, I'm here today. And thanks for asking. Uh, <laughs> ooh, look at this angle. <laughs> Shmoulise, I'm here because. Y'all right, Shmoulise? I'm, I'm waiting. I'm ready. I'm ready for whatever whatever you're here today for. <laughs> Shmoolies, what I've done, Shmoolies, I've inf- look, I've infiltrated Peloton moms <laughs> to take down Mancini. Is that what you? Is that what you're See, doing? Mancini told Mancini suggested I squad up. Mm-hmm. Because he's working with the Riddler. The Riddler, I feel like yes. I've heard of the Riddler. That is that that's not different in your world. Well, you know, sometimes we call him the Stat Riddler, but <laughs> we just make it easier. Like we we got to there's a there's a multiverse Statman poker game, and we said, "God, what are we doing half the time? Let's just call him the Riddler." Adam said, so, so, no, "Okay, so you're so hold on. Let's get back to let's get back to your purpose. Wait, so can we talk about yeah the infiltrating Peloton moms? That's right, yeah. infiltrated that's Peloton moms. Okay, I didn't that's, realize that there was like crime going on on Peloton moms. Yeah, what are they doing? Well, kind of, this is why Joe Biden has a Peloton. Well, I did it state. sort of as a lark. You see, <laughs> y'all remember." Couple years ago, you could buy one of those woman cards, literal, literal woman cards. Yeah, and the and the woman binders, binder full of women. Yeah. See, I knew I needed you, Schmoolies. <laughs> so I thought. So I thought since uh, who else but who would have a woman card other than Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo? <laughs> So I infiltrated Peloton Moms and figured I'd trade Gina Raimondo a fresh start for her woman card. So the next time I'm at the Statman poker game, a fresh start, and someone accuses me of playing the woman card, I can say, y'all deal me in. And I'd splash that bad boy right on the pot. Oh God, this is my poker game. <laughs> What's that? Sorry, I was thinking about a, a different reference to poker games. Good friend of mine, Jerry Orbach. I always <laughs> say that. Jerry Orbach, what he was talking about. What's his name? I miss Jerry Orbach. Yeah. So, Sam, Sam you're not. Come... Sorry, <laughs> little lady. <laughs> why are you like here to tell us this? Like, wh- we're just filming a little podcast about trilogies. Like, why us? Well, I got a hunch. I think this whole Peloton moms <laughs> hashtag is a front bankrolled by Mancini <laughs> to start. An international mobiliary. <laughs> the okay. Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo. 
Okay, so what are we supposed to do about that, Stephen? Well, the he's Riddler's just been. Spre- are you just spreading me. the word? I think he's, he's just, just spreading the word. Awareness. Yeah. Well, no, I- oh, he's just every podcast you could get on <laughs> by breaking into the house of the recording. <laughs> I do have a riddle from the Stat Riddler. Oh yeah. Oh okay. <laughs> it's got. It's, it's he, he look he, I don't know where he found magazines these days. But it's each letter is like a different letter from a magazine headline. Uh huh. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Well described. Well described. He says, What people are always in a hurry? I don't know. You, you stumped me. See, Smoolie, you're too emotionally compromised for this mission. You didn't hear crying about Jerry Orbach. <laughs> Wait, I didn't know we were in a mission. Sorry, I know I'm not involved in this. I know this is between you and Shulis. Well, I need, to hear, I need to hear the end of the joke. The riddle, I should say. I'm sorry. See, I think, I think the Riddler's talking about the Russians. People oh, always in a hurry. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So what I think is going on is Mancini's using Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo <laughs> to make a deal with the Russians for controlling stake in international mobile <laughs> Shmulis, I need your help. <laughs> I'll do anything for you. <laughs> I just made my nose flat, flat for you, Shmulis. I'm honored. I'm honored. <laughs> you kind of remind me of. Uh, <laughs> The vultures from our from uh, our last podcast, like uh, from Jungle Book. <laughs> I really thought he was wearing underwear on his face before. <laughs> and then you see him in profile. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very striking profile. Almost. Now, Shmoolies. <laughs> Go yeah. ahead, Rachel. Shmoolie, yeah, it I almost like seems it. like you're using Rachel against me. What do you mean I'm using Rachel against you? Oh, I'm just kidding. That's a Buddhist Bale movie quote. <laughs> <laughs> Bale. No, Shmoolies, I was going to say if I had a smoke bomb on me, and I usually do... <laughs> I would smoke bomb on out of here. Mm-hmm. Can we get you that smoke bomb? <laughs> <laughs> what about a stink bomb? Not in my office. Don't think you're getting that fresh start, little lady. <laughs> <laughs> All I want is a chip that gets me a fresh start. 
But you have to give it to Junior Raimondo. Slow, is he slowly going up? No, he's going back on the screen. <laughs> I thought he was making his eggs. <laughs> if you don't know the difference whether or not a stat man is coming or going, how are we going to take down Peloton Moms? <laughs> I think I think we're going to do great. Good enough for this me. I Does Shmooley's get knight. a mask? <laughs> Wait, is, is Shmooley's... <laughs> no, no, no. He's, I think he's gonna... I know, but I want a bunch of Robin jokes now that, you, that you're... No, no, we're good. That you're Raven. <gasps> That's the opposite of a Robin. A given. All right, this is a... Holy cow. Someone call this Satman because... <laughs> this is like... I don't even know where to begin. But I actually do, because I think I, I took a more <laughs> concentrated <laughs> approach to it this time. I'm such a tease. 15 movies nominated for a total of 86, 86 Academy Awards. Yeah, 86 nominations, 38 winners, uh, three Best Picture winners, Godfather, Godfather Part Two. Return of the King, four AFI, 100 movies, uh, Entrance, uh, Godfather is number two on the, up. this is all updated AFI stuff from 07, 08 or whenever it was. So Godfather, uh, Godfather is number two, The Godfather Part Two is 32 on the list, Star Wars is 13, and Fellowship of the Ring is 50. Uh, what was most interesting is, so 86 nominations across 15 movies. Woo! Um, zero actress or supporting actress nominations. Only one best actor um, award and two best supporting actor awards. So Brando won for Godfather and then um Leisure and De Niro won for The Dark Knight and Godfather Part Two, respectively. So it's, it's just weird. So all those nominations, obviously, we all know the Return of the King story with 11 nominations, and then they sweep. Um, but yeah, all of all those nominations, zero actress slash actress nominations, and only um like a handful of actor ones resulting in three um acting awards so a lot of it you know a lot of this stuff is very technical heavy obviously star wars always wins for um technical Music. stuff and and whatnot um i mean i i think you could i, I mean the acting categories in general were are, are not very well represented in this obviously as you said but in terms of there's a large portion of these are not a large portion three of these are like fantasy sci-fi yeah, superhero, and those generally don't contain very meaty parts for women. Godfather, it kind of does, but they're not very centrally situated in the part. It's really before it's the before that has the most interesting female part out of them all. Which is also, it's a little while that she was never nominated for it because it's very, very good. Well, yeah. she was, yeah. So it's it's, it's wins versus nominations. So she. Oh, she did was get nominated. Not, yeah, so I was, I got a little maybe murky with with how I was defining things. So Talia Shire is was nominated for oh, Best okay. Supporting Actress for The Godfather Part Two, but yeah, there in terms of 
I guess it's just wins. Yeah. So there's of all of these movies of the 38 wins they have zero of them are for actress or supporting actress. Only only three of them are for, but frankly, I think that's the only that, that that's like the lone actress or supporting actress nomination. I don't think there's, there's one anywhere else for, for anything. Um, Two movies with no nominations at all. Uh, Dark Knight Rises and Before Sunrise. So don't put Rise in your trilogy movie title because you won't get any yeah. Oscar nominations. Interesting. Surprise. I, I mean, I guess Dark, I feel like Dark Knight Rises, especially after Dark Knight, you'd think they'd be just be like, throw this a sound mixing. I don't know. You know, like something like that. That's surprising. Right. Yeah. Before Sunrise, too, very surprising. That well, I mean, it's surprising based on how good it is, not on its situation. Like, it's probably just like it's, it was basically an indie movie almost. I guess it was Richard Linklater, but so the other two, the other two entries, both got single nominations. They were both nominated for the same award, adapted screenplay. So I'm yeah. surprised it didn't get an original screenplay in '95 nomination. Um, oh, so it, it's adapted because it's a sequel, basically. I think so. Yeah, I think that's. How so it works. she never got a. I can't see she ever got a nomination for actress. No, she didn't. It was Talia Shire's the only one nomination who ever got nominated. That is yeah. so wild to me, and it is such a testament to like she doesn't freak out or cry or have a breakdown. And if she did, she well, probably in the third one, she kind of does. Yeah, but I guess in the first two, which I think are like tremendous performances, because they're kind of small. She doesn't get any love for it. Are you talking but about anyway. the second, Who are you? Are you second about? movie? I'm sorry, I'm talking about Julie Delpy. Sorry. Okay. I, yeah, I, I went Delphi. on a Julie Delpy. Uh, the second one is was amazing. I love that yeah. movie. Yeah, second one's the best one. Uh, I think there's I don't know. There's like handfuls of like the lesser AFIs. I never know how to I mean, I'm not gonna ever probably just like read them outright because they're just laundry lists of pretty dumb uh secondary AFI awards, but just some interesting things. So um, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse is number two on 100 years or 100, whatever it calls quotes. So like the 100 quotes of all time. That's not crazy. I mean, it's certainly, it's, it's, it's helpful that it's like so usable, you know? Like to make someone a godfather offer is so commonly used based it's from yeah. that quote. Whereas my which I think is a better quote, leave the gun and take the cannolis, is oh, not as I, usable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that one was nominated. Yeah. I was yeah, just, I'm probably always surprised by the golf between the AFI golf between um one and two. Like it like it's godfather's two on the list part two is 32 um going to make him an offer you can't refuse is two on quotes keep your friends close but your enemies closer is 58 on the quotes list (laughs) um other interesting so there's like 100 heroes or maybe it's like 50 heroes 50 villains so han solo and obi-wan kenobi are on the heroes list at 14 and 37 respectively, but there's no Luke Skywalker on the list, which I thought was very interesting. Um, Fellowship of the Ring is number two in top 10 fantasy. 
Okay. Don't hate that. And Don't hate that. Godfather's number one for top ten gangster. And and sim- in the vein of original slash adapted, I don't hate having the first, especially in a fantasy series, the first being like the big one that rep- is represented on the list just because that's the world establisher. Right. So even though in some cases, on some days, as I was discussing with Rachel, as on some days it's not my favorite of the three, it still may be the most impressive in terms of getting the exposition done and world building which is one of my favorite things i agree star wars number one for scores as well then maybe yeah i I can't remember how many i don't think they do a hundred scores maybe it's like 50 or so but it's number one on scores and then it's number eight number eight on quotes is may the force be with you okay okay Welcome to the BTEU, Shane Rimmer. <laughs> Who's that? Oh, Shane. I'm so happy Shane, for him. Shane Rimmer. Shane Rimmer is... Uh, or her. Is it a guy? Is it a... It is. It is, it is, it is uh, man, Shane Rimmer. He's in You Only Live Twice. Remember that oh one? God. Remember yes. July 2020? You can <laughs> never for, I can never forget You Only Live Twice. So Shane Rimmer is in You Only Live Twice, and he is... A, I guess you'd say like ass like X-wing astromech droid technician in Star Wars when when they're getting ready to attack the Death Star and Luke is approaching his X-wing. There's two technicians involved with like lowering R2D2 into the astromech droid slot or port of the X-wing, and he's one of the he's like closer to r2d2 like like ushering him into the droid port also wait so how do you figure this out like how did you figure that out internet okay and he's you uh, like go through each how but how do you yeah how do you actually do it though well first of all i figured if once you get through because this was such a sort of a wasteland for actually having overlap given that the last episode was 1967 and yeah. granted oh, star see. star wars is just 10 years later but um given that those are both um english productions and you know of similar genres do you just like a decent amount of overlap between on imdb and look for other credits yeah yeah so he's but yeah, but he's also in Batman Begins. So when towards the end, in, in the third act, when um, things are like really heating up and they flash to like Gotham water maintenance worker number one, who like says like something, something like the, the scarecrow stuff is in the water, like something like we can't shut the water off. And it's like an older man. That's Shane Rimmer. Shane Next Rimmer. time the older guy, him, the guy who's like, got the close-ups in that scene it's yeah it's like a close-up of his he's like at some like control panel and he's I actually like, know who i actually know who you're talking about yeah, yeah. He's like, Batman, so Batman. look out the water if it reaches the main the whole thing will blow or something yeah. like that that's shane remember next time you see shane he'll be in his bteu t-shirt it's in the mail 
Yeah, it's in the mail. There's technically another. There's there's another. Great. This one's sort of a sort of a. There'll be an asterisk next to his name. There's like a stunt man who did stunts for both You Only Live Twice and Star Wars. Richard Graydon. We'll get you a tank. Yeah, I'm sure he's still looking felt. Like this list. I was like, like, is this, this list. our list? Is this our list or Richard Graydon? <laughs> uh, lovely. And I think we're on to uh, to categories. Or no, awards. Sorry, awards. You want to get sued, bro? <laughs> awards. <laughs> could, do the, could do the fuck boy. Awards. Uh, First one is Best Whack. Best Wick. Best Whack. Very Best Wick. Oh my god! I think Sam spoiled his uh, earlier. I did. I did. I mean, I I love Paulie. Love the gun. I would take leave the gun and take the cannolis line. But I don't know if that makes the best whack. Though the sunny the sunny Corleone whack is such like a turning point in the movie. It's also it like work. It like still would. I don't know. It still would work. I feel like it aged well. Um, I think you could still kill a man with that many bullets today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and then, but the the one of the top in my top three was also Eowyn killing the Witch King of Bagmar. Yeah, that's a great whack. That's such a great whack. It's I guess those two maybe taken on too much significance. I think that it's actually like. It's perfect because it, to me, it's just on the other side of the line of like hashtag girl boss. Like it's like, yeah, it's like, ju- it's so close to hashtag girl boss cringe, but like it's not there. And I like, I like that, that one a lot. For me, for me, it's aided by the fact that that's it. That's what's in the book. Like she says that in the book. Yeah. So, so it's, it's not it, some like new add on to try and like, you know, give the libs what they want it's uh it's like that's actually how it was written um so i actually i don't know i don't know what's my the best whack is what are some other people's thoughts i've got just one here um and i not that you uh transgressed or anything like that i was exclusively thinking about uh the godfather movies and i got uh luca brassi so Oh man, that's just, I love it on so many levels. One, it's just like terrifying because the guy behind the bar who isn't Salazzo just looks so menacing and you just know uh, that shit's going to go down. And it's very tense in my opinion, but just the, I mean, just like the procedure of it. Like the, the he, cop he, like, coming strokes in strokes his hand. I think you might be thinking of two, oh. right? Or, so two is when the cop comes. Yeah, two part two is when the cop comes in and Danny Aiello's in it and he says Michael Corleone oh. says hello mm-hmm. and they fail. That's the fail. Oh, Luca Brazzi, the one on. Oh, they the one stab with the his knife. hand. Yeah, they stab his sure, hand. Sure, 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 sure. And then they strangle him with like. Which piano and is wire. the one in two kind of an echo of that? A little bit. Yeah. 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 Okay. My. Uh, oh, yeah. go ahead. Sorry, you're gonna. Do well, I was gonna. It's sort of the akin to. Drop the gun, take the cannoli. The Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes is yeah. iconic and in my opinion. My favorite whack, and this is more like a scene with a whack in it, 
was um, the Salaso McClutsky restaurant scene. Oh, whack. Lovely scene. In one. It's my favorite scene in one. Like, it's, well, I don't even know what's my favorite. I love Godfather one. I love that moment of like, I like that you see like the sort of behind the curtain, how he like fumbles with the gun in the restaurant, in the bathroom first. It's like, I kind of like it when they're not so perfectly. It's fun when like one is like perfectly executed and teased out and you see no pathos or anything like that. But I do like, it's such an important transition for Michael, but like, I like that it's a good combination of like, he's a little, he's not like super good on the technical aspect of it, but he is heartless. I like that, like that moment where you're like, he's a little fumbly, but like, he also like clearly has no remorse when he kills them. He also, I think it's like one of the most justified killings in the God, it's like, it's the one that hits me as extremely justified, which I know is like a weird thing to say. And to me, like a justified one is more fun to watch than a regular one. Cause like they really did like do Don Corleone dirty in that hospital. Like, like, like really truly, like it was extremely shady and shitty. And, and, and that stretch of the movie might be one of my favorite stretches because that hospital sequence where there's no one, oh my it's God. one of the most tense scenes in like any of the movies we've watched where there's no one there. And I just, I thought that whole stretch and then the, it's just such a good stretch of the movie. My issue with Godfather movies in general is I often feel like the arc of like feeling like someone's been done dirty to watching them get them comeuppance is too truncated for like, that's kind of my issue with two is it just takes so long to like, like, you know, the it's, you don't get the emotional payoff of someone getting like a, like dying because yeah. they, because they deserve it because there's just like so much choppy roundabout plot in between the original wrongdoing and the comeuppance yeah i don't love that comes so long after he's actually done anything exactly and like all of two is essentially like a very long comeuppance um but i like that that like it's like the stuff in the hospital happens and then pretty quickly after that is the restaurant scene and like it's a very much like an emotional payoff it's by no means like the best whack like technically like it's not like the scariest thing it's just like he he just shoots him in the head um i just i also like that it's a restaurant that there's like a dining scene within there that's like kind of iconic just like schmoozy sterling hayden just like going to town on that entree he's like he's like already got the like the napkin in his collar and just yeah. Down so that, that feel. It's one of Rest my favorite scenes. So I then I, I gave it best whack for that reason, even though it's like not very wacky. Like it's wrong. Like you know what I mean. It doesn't have like quite the like like badass like whatever. But it is my favorite. Cool. My favorite whack. My favorite whack. Sam, what did you end um, up de- deciding on? I don't know yet. Um, it's probably they leave the gun, take the cannolis. Yeah, that one's very wacky. With with which king at which Aowen, which king of Angmar in a close second. Next up for awards, best villain. Oh shit, best villain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll go first. I like I I tried to be smart about it, but it's Darth Vader. Like I just don't think that there's another answer here. Uh, I was trying to be clever. I don't think that there's like, I know that some people will always say like Michael Corleone is the best villain. I don't know. Um, but Darth Vader's just so iconic and like has a great arc and uh, great look. 
great costume, great vibe. I think they, Darth Vader is also a villain that's in the movie the correct amount. It's like the right amount of you, like there's, it's not too much or too little. And I know that like a lot of like people will say that Darth Vader is not a very consistent villain, that there's like a lot of just like big changes that happen to the Darth Vader character that don't really make sense over time. And I don't care. It's just like the most iconic villain ever. I don't, I think that's, that's kind of that for me. I find him a little, for me, I mean, he works as a character, but I kind of want my villains to be a little more proactive and a little more like, he doesn't insert himself into the plot that much. And he's just, he's just kind of a, he's a, he's a menace more than, more than anything else. I, I, I thought when you said there was only one possibility, I thought you were going to say the Joker. I thought you were going to say, mm. yeah. Uh, I have some things about the Joker I, as being too inserting and like. But I think the movie is about hi, like I, I think that almost ages well with the movie for me. It's it's him. The movie is him, and that's fine. Like it's 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 if he were if he were that way in three movies of a trilogy, that would be tiresome. And I can understand someone getting tired of that throughout the distance of one movie, but I think the kind of the way that movie is aged and the fact that he was awarded and I think at all point, I mean, it works in it, in the movie's uh, favor for me. Like I can, so in some ways that can be kind of just like someone wants to. Um, there are things I love about the trend. There but are I things just, I love about that character, but watching it this time, I did think I was like, I think I said something to this effect to Andy, like, Having a chaos agent in a Chris Nolan movie, there's just something inherently dissident about that. He's like the most thought through erratic person you've ever seen. Like he is more anal retentive than any character in any movie. And he supposedly like loves chaos and is wacky, but like he exists as a human thought experiment. And there's just something about that that's like too... I don't know. There's something very uh, not, it just doesn't like put two and two together in my head for me. That's my issue with the Joker. I just, I also think like there's a, re there's a good reason and this is for better and for worse. So many movie villains since him have been trying to do him. Like right, yeah. he is, it's such an iconic part and it's unfortunate for the most part, the part from basically Javier Bardem and Skyfall. That's what I was that, just going to say. Yeah. That's the one exception to the rule of <laughs> that. The trying to do that Joker is never going to work because oh, I would say that's just, it's, I, I love that with, I, if I'm understanding you correctly, I was going to say, I lump Bardem in with all the other ones that it's, as derivative and annoying. it's derivative but i think it still works within the movie it like it's a bond it's like a kind of because because you can still do a bond villain and it, we we don't have to get into that um i just think that that's the i number two for me was michael corleone because i think it, he is such a villain and more so and more so as the series goes on um, oh my home. <laughs> uh, 
but but I just I it's the performance like maybe the characters but it's the performance that just bring like it makes the whole it makes the whole Nolan series worthwhile. I agree. Never been a big villain guy. Um, I never quite understood Darth Vader or was like attracted attracted to Darth Vader. Like he's so hot, you guys. Um, but yeah, I never, I mean, yeah, Vader just never really clicked with me. I never really like for me, a villain is just, you know, who has the most, you know, who has the coolest or most badass moment. And there really aren't for me at least vader ones like that the joker we've kind of covered the joker i I resent it a little bit because of how you know imitated it's been um i just never really get into villains for like philosophical villainy it's just more like you look really cool uh and that was uh you know the, the the dragon beast thing that you fly on is really badass so i just went with the witch king um i've always you know since coming to lord of the rings through the card game and then through the movies themselves um i've just always been so drawn to the to the witch king i just think he's just like the look the he he was like so in the card game it's basically you know good guys versus bad guys and you try and kill good guys with bad guy cards and the witch king card was like the ultimate like most powerful badass card shot when um after aowen cuts off the nazgul the flying nazgul's head i forget what the creature itself is called um and it it, it kind of still shaking the wings are kind of shaking and the witch king kind of is slowly turning kind of coming out of the wreckage of the creature to turn to look at aowen is such a just I, i it's such a that's such a good scene Oh, I guess a villain, like a best villain should be defined by how cool his like getting loaded or, or their getting loaded for bear scene is. And like when the voiceover <laughs> of Gandalf describing him to Pippin, I think it is. Yeah. The third one, like the witch king. And he's getting like his helmet put on and his mace or whatever. Oh, man. This I think so cool. I think that like there it's interesting because I feel like my pick actually sort of ends up straddling two sort of ways you can do villains and i think like on one side which is more popular these days is to like put all of it into a person and somehow try to mesh like the height of evil with like a human mind which kind of ends up with a joker character right the height of evil and scary kind of you have to like put it into a personality it's like fascination with psychopaths and stuff like that like one human mind that you actually understand to some extent that's like within a character and it's evil and the other is the lord of the rings side which is just like evil is evil and evil is power it's just like an idea kind of and various people get infected with it and can be animated with it but you're not like sauron doesn't like have a personality or like a backstory or trauma no it's much more metaphorical yeah and i'm actually way more down for the lord of the rings version of it like i'm kind of bored of the like psychopath fascination thing that kind of ends up manifesting a lot of modern villains where you're like getting into their trauma, you're whatever. And it's more like, just like 
these are the forces that sort of infect various and animate various minions to do things. To me, that's like what Lord of the Rings is. And A, I feel like that's more true, like in this world. Um, and B, it's more interesting. But yeah, I feel like those are like the two poles of how to think of evil or villains and these I, kinds of things. I do think that we all chose villains with good, like, as Andy said, like intro scenes. Yeah. You have Andy, the, the witch, the, the crowning of the witch. I just thought of that. <laughs> the crowning. Uh, the Darth Vader. And also the walking through. Dom, dom. The the mist and the wreckage uh, from boarding Leia's ship, and then the cold opening of of the Dark Knight, yeah. the opening of the Dark Knight, the robbery scene, and you just kind of it's all that is all his machinations, and then you finally reveal him, and and it's kind of cool because I mean you know you know he is you know that the Joker's the villain and you have all these people dressed up. It's it kind of messes. It's just such a good opening to the movie. Um, yeah. For sure. Oh, and the LOL. Fun. I also put as like a joke, Ethan Hawke. Yeah, I know. I knew someone was going to do that as like the thing that Ethan Hawke is actually. I was, I said, I was going to say both Jesse and Celine. Because oh they're are at separate points. Terrible. They're both um, the villains. Okay. Best character arc. I couldn't decide between one, but mine all come from Lord of the Rings, which I don't think is a coincidence because it's an actual, like there was were three books, like someone who understands character wrote them. I think that you can say Godfather to some extent, but then you have this weird addendum. So I think all the best character arts to me, not surprisingly come from books. Uh, and to me, Mary and Pippin, if you kind of like take them separately, they both have great character arts. I guess I have to pick Mary maybe at the end of it all. But I love them then also like as like a such a great like childhood best friends that kind of have to go their separate ways, but then sort of come back together. Like I also love their arc like as a friendship arc. And then each of their individual arcs are so beautiful that they are like sort of finding their individual strengths. Like Pippin's the artist and like the singer and like the heart and like Mary's like the fighter. And but like and they do their thing, but then they still love each other and come back together. And they, and they work so well because they they are together the comic relief, but they're also very different characters in and of themselves. Like I know. You get Mary is the straight man of the two of them, but he's still one of he's still the second funniest character, maybe if you, unless you count Gimli, the second fun, funniest character in the whole movies. But totally. he's still the straight man of a two. I love them so much, and I guess Aragorn would be my second from that. I think that like it's less like obvious and charming, but like also great character arc. The air like from like the Strider to like, I think that there's just a lot of interesting stuff going on there. The like and the way that his character off character arc plays off of other like men, like Faramir, and um, you know, like he is like the embodiment of like the opposite of a power hungry person, which is like for something that's so obsessed with power, you need a character like Aragorn to like think, to sort of create a foil of what like a person could look like when tempted with power, but not overcome with the evil of power. Um, the love stuff kind of gets in the way with Aragorn for me. I wish that like the woman, I wish that like Liv Tyler didn't have to like so much be the foot the reflective surface on which his arc is created um 
So that's probably what brings it to two to me. But Marion Pippin is my number one character arc, a friendship arc. I know it's cheating. It's two people, but that's my one. That's a really good choice. And didn't necessarily I mean, cross my mind. Those are definitely my two favorite characters from Lord of the Rings. I've they were always um, who I gravitated to for for a lot of reasons. Um, also, very cool cards in the card game. Um, <laughs> I kept it very simple and just thought, um, given how conspicuously Hero's Journey the whole series is, um, that Luke Skywalker has the best best character arc from from four to six going from I, I kind of just it's such a I guess a very gendered thing to say I, was, I, was, I have such like a little girl approach to it like you know like he's got like this costume in the first one and I love his costume in the second one and you get he's got the like the badass black costume in the third one and a different colored lightsaber and in that one but um yeah those that, that was the obvious choice for me and i feel or sam you're eager. I, when i when i think about <laughs> it i think prime mary and pippin have better versions of this because they get to do more and 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 are exposed to more but the the one that just popped up in my mind first was sam sam gamgee i think especially because more of where he begins than where he ends because he really is like the least worldly of the of the hobbits probably the poorest um and is the most kind of like wide-eyed he loves the elves and he's just kind of like he is very just kind of amazed by it all at the beginning and Obviously, I, I, I used to skip I used to skip over the Frodo and Sam parts when watching the movies, but that was more because of Frodo than because of Sam. I also think that his acting carries those parts so much. He's so good. Um, and by the end of the movie, he is in a sense carrying the movie because the movie is 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 kind of ends on the stuff with the ring and him him realizing that he can't carry the ring he'll have to carry frodo is such like a is such an important part um i I can't carry the ring but i can't carry you uh so yeah i guess maybe because of his centrality i think of him as maybe the, the the best character character arc in the in the series i i want to say one thing about luke skywalker character arc The thing I love about it is that it's not like he gets objectively better. Like he, I like that Luke Skywalker, like in the path to becoming a Jedi does lose some qualities that we loved about him in the first thing. Like his innocence is a good quality. Like his sort of more fun freewheeling, like a little bit more personable even. Like, Like I'd rather hang out with Luke Skywalker in the first movie than in the third movie. But that's kind of the point because that's what it means to become a Jedi. Like Jedis aren't necessarily good hangs. And um, I like that about Luke's, the Luke Skywalker character arc. I feel like it's like a re- resisting like, oh, he's becoming cooler or like more badass. It's like genuinely like inhabiting like what does it mean to become a Jedi? Like he's not becoming cooler. He's not becoming more badass. He's becoming a Jedi. Yeah, he's not just and it's leveling like, up. And for like the first, exactly. And for like the first movie to like, I like how it just sticks to that. 
like what it means to be a Jedi ethos. I think clearly like, I think George Lucas is very interested in that and how like Jedis are not just like cool people you want to hang out with. They're like, there's amount of sacrifice and sort of like monkishness about them that I think George Lucas is much more interested in than I'd say like- Kevin And they Kennedy. can be wrong. Yeah, and they can be wrong. Like, I think that like, yeah. And I like that about that character arc is it's not just, oh, he got cooler. It's like, and it is also he like looks cooler, you know, but it, there's this sort of emotional- he becomes a better actor. That's true. Um, Do you have a favorite costume? Of all of everybody or of Luke? Of Luke's. I like the original Luke costume. I don't really like the black one that much. Oh, I love all. The, I love all of the Hoth costumes personally. I just love Hoth. I love the beginning of yeah. Empire. I also anyway. like his like little like mid training sort of like sweatsuit vibe. But I think second might be the all black. I love the all black, especially the all black with the scar. Great. It just is badass. Anyway, and the cloak and the green. Mm. It works. It works. It works. Little uh, Mando callback. Anyway. Um, oh, I was also going to say, I think that if you cut off Godfather 3, which I know we're not doing because whatever, I think that everyone's arcs get better if you only look at the two. Like, I think that there's many more contenders in the Godfather movies, if you cut off three. Yeah. Because it ends up kind of like- Except for maybe, no, Natalia Shire, and, and that kind of gets weird too in theory. Weird yeah. in three also. Yeah. I think I'm going with Sam though. I'm going to stick with Mary Pippin. I have a small honorable mention. I really, like, your, I really like your pick, Rachel. Thank you. I think, I think my pick wins. <laughs> It's cheating, but it also wins. <laughs> what was your honorable mention? Um, yeah, you don't think about it often because it's in a pretty mediocre movie. I just, I really like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character from The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, watching the last five minutes of with that the, movie, yeah, with the fun. payoff, yeah, with the payoff at the end of. Yeah, which kind of sucks now. <laughs> that payoff sucks. <laughs> that wait, because I like. He is he is really good in that movie. And I want to see a Robin movie. It makes me want and to see I want see to see a so Robin badly. movie with him. Like he has such a different outlook than Batman. Um it would be a very different movie because his his the way he thinks about the world is so different. Yeah. Um and I love how just like full on cheesy like phoning in the like it's like we the name reveal is which is like the lady's like I wish you went by yeah. your birth name Robin it's like Robin. the most obvious way of doing it and like, I was like I okay and then the there's like a pregnant pause sometimes you don't need to make it fancy sometimes you just need the like l- most direct line to providing that information or, or as he's known in in the alternate universe given <laughs> oh god. I'm really excited to talk about the next one, which is Best Object. Yeah, first, next one is Best Object. The first one that popped into my head, and I know this is very wild, and you're going to think this is extremely niche. I love the cake in the Hyman Roth birthday scene. Mm. Don't Ooh, know why. That is a good one. I just think there's a lot of tension. I The first time I was I watched it, I was sure that there was poison in the poison, cake. Yeah, I was like yeah, 100% yeah. sure that that cake was, that there's some razor blades in the cake. There's also like a bunch of like internet Small articles of people piece. who think that people, I just love the way they talk about the cake. It looks like a delicious cake. Um, 
I there's like a lot of articles if you look it up about like how it's Cuba like the, on the cake is Cuba and they're literally like cutting up Cuba and dividing it up so there's like a sort of like I know there's like a very like brain. freshman English paper within there but to me that's a, not the best. I think just a straight A would go for that <laughs> <laughs> I don't know um so I, but it just like looks like a delicious cake. There's a lot of tension around the cake. I love that it's like he t- he talks a lot about the birthday cake. Like there's just he was like guys let's let's eat the cake now, um, and I love that great object. And then my second is just all of the detonation devices in Dark Knight that are just weird and like cobbled together and like very strange looking. Um, there's no like meaning behind that one. I just think that they're fun to look at. The, the trend, yeah, the I cake mean, is my new. There's so many issues with the the dumbass uh prison the boat uh oh yeah oh, they're so they're not but blo- that, they're not but that trigger thing is a cool looking thing yeah it's know? a cool looking With they're the all just key. very cool looking yeah they're all very oh, yeah. cool looking <laughs> all of his little detonation devices are cool looking like the I one like that the he cake one. the like one the, the thing that he straps the, the cell phone that he straps <laughs> to the guy like all of his sort of like i love the aesthetic of the things that the that uh the joker creates it's very chaotic and, and involved. I've got two. Uh, the first one, one came to me as we were talking about uh, Star Wars earlier. My, my, my first one is uh, Eli Wallach as Don Altabello's, his cane, the stupid cane with the fist on it that he's got <laughs> in Godfather 3. <laughs> Uh, is because that grew out of originally we were maybe going to think about like if you could pick one thing from one of the movies and I go to like well maybe the obvious choice is like oh I want a lightsaber I want a blaster but I don't want like I'm just going to end up hurting myself with I want that cane um, like a Batmobile <laughs> or something like that but yeah definitely the cane and in terms of like yeah I think we'll talk about like fantasy toys later kinky um, <laughs> in terms of like you know what did you want more than anything as a kid that just um, really excited you. Definitely the the speeder bikes from the Endor scene in um, Return of the Jedi. Is to, there's like nothing more um, that I would have wished. And I think they like kind of existed to some extent. There was like a Power Wheels esque speeder bike you could get. I mean, obviously it wasn't like a hovering um, speeder bike, but I think there was some. R- relatively faithful approximation that you could get um, if you were a little bit having to be a little bit older than I am and grew up uh, as a child in the early 80s. Um, that's what I got. Best objects, baby. Mine are basically all from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Including the number one. The one ring. It's like I, I just had to do it. That's the way the plot the plot like it the plot exists through it. Like it's the it's obviously it is power. It is the corrupting force, but it is also like it is representative of like those that don't seek out power are able to hold it are able to wield it the the best for the longest. That's like the whole Hobbit thing, and how man specifically is especially susceptible to it and the strongest men like Boromir um, and, and, and even stronger like Gandalf will become terrible and, and, and Galadriel. It is kind of it's a great 
metaphor and just like the it is it's the it's the whole movie it's the whole series it's them trying to destroy it rather than give it to someone to try and fight back against the force that it created it's it's got everything uh and i was also a big sword i, I love the swords uh Elend you were Elendil, a big sword. <laughs> Andy fl- was a big flame <laughs> flame of the west uh, aragorn sword which yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna do the what happened in the book relative to the movie. Um, but it's just cool. The sword that was broken. It's got that past. Um, Glamdring, uh, Gandalf sword. I like especially because it it pops up. It's it's originally from the the Hobbit as is as is Sting. Um, yeah, I can nerd out about Lord of the Rings all I oh, want, but yeah, geez. I think it's the ring. It's the ring. No, it's funny. Um, you were hearing you describe its influence on others was I'm always thinking about the card game, right? So in the card game, there were bad guy cards that were um, flavored according to um, scenes and events throughout the first book where like the stronger members of the fellowship were tempted. So there, there was like an Aragorn card that you could play on Aragorn to make him weaker. That was a reference to him being tempted in a Boromir one and a Gandalf one. And yeah, it's cool stuff. Let's play cards. <laughs> yeah, that's, I couldn't go with anything other than the ring. That's also got the history. It's the seven, it's the one ring to rule them all. It's like all these different races wanted built, made these rings or made them was made for them and it took advantage of their, they're hubris. Okay, next category is Award. best. You want to get sued? I'm sorry. <laughs> best. It's real category fraud right there. Uh, best. Oh, next award is <laughs> what the fuck moment. I don't want to go first for this one. Oh I'm no! Right about that. I'm going with the. Uh... Love story in, in Godfather 3. That's a good one. It's pretty weird. It's yeah. very weird. I think maybe within the movie, it's weird that, that it's his, what, cousin? Yes. But like not yeah. distant cousin at all? Well, no, yeah, because he's the son. They, they're, their fathers, son is... their biological fathers are brothers. Yeah. But the maybe what makes it weirder is that it's the director's daughter. Right. Uh, so it's the, it's multiple levels of what the fuck in that one. Also, the performances. Also, yeah. Andy Garcia's a good actor. I don't know. I haven't really... I don't know if I've seen Sofia Coppola in anything else. You've seen Godfather. She was a little baby. But she's certainly a good director, but not a great actress at least in this film so just kind of what the fuck all around especially the first scene where they're where she like sidles up to him and is flirting with him and you're like wait wait did i hear that right are they cut are they cousins is that a joke is that is that did they anyway so that's definitely number one on my list um I guess kind of just as honorable mentions, Shelob's lair is pretty weird. 
like even within Lord of the Rings, like there doesn't isn't really that. It's kind of like a a little more fantasy than a lot of the what the movie does. But I still like it. It's just kind of a what the fuck moment, and the whole scene where he gets caught. It's just kind of like very jarring in a more like kind of a good what the fuck. Um, those were really my only big two. It's got a bunch of stuff from the Batman movies swirling yeah, around. Yeah, I have in a lot head. of the Batman ones. I was um, worried I was had immediacy bias. Yeah, uh, just so like we talked a little bit about the cleans, or there's been references. I've heard. I got a feeling. I feel like in the studio, there's been references <laughs> to the to the clean slate already. Um, so dumb. It's just that I don't. I was trying to find the quote, but it doesn't matter. But when. Um, you know, it's mentioned one of the scenes where it's mentioned in the movie and um, oh gosh, the actor's name. He was like every villain for a five year stretch and he gets his neck broken by Bane, the guy from Star Wars and from. Oh, yeah. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. Yeah. Yeah. That guy. Um, but anyways, what you, he's like the clean slate. You mean the like blah, 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 blah. The definition of the clean slate. Um, so that I've always laughed at, um, I mean, not because of necessarily the content of it, but the placement and delivery of the cop shouting, no more dead cops (laughs) is just like such a non sequitur and ridiculous. And I was sharing this with Rachel. So it might, the bit, the, the bit might sound a little tired, but just the call an ambulance but not for me energy of so much of Bane's dialogue <laughs> is I <laughs> it's just what the fuck just the yeah Bane would is be the... painful Bane is a big for me <laughs> gonna crash this plane with no survivors <laughs> that's the way the uh rises the way they do it and rachel the, the school of liam neeson uh, the sort of the the gaming out the real timeness of things that joker does in it, it's this like what yeah don't think about it too much that's my yeah. that's the way i <laughs> just don't think just watch when it comes to the joker yeah mine okay so mine a lot of mine have to do with the third batman movie which also we just watched the um, moment that Mary Marion Cotillard dies is such a what the fuck. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> love that moment. <laughs> she hey. like, it, looks like she, it looks like she was just like powered down. Like it's yeah. like, cause she's like kind of shaking a lot. Like, and when she's giving her final dialogue and then she just kind of like, well, it just like plops. <laughs> it's very weird. That's a what the fuck for me. I don't, I think generally there's not a lot of good, like bad guy endings in the Chris Nolan Batmans. Like, like they're not very interesting. Like the Bane one also is very silly how it's just like, oh, I'm just gonna grab his face for a really long time. Like like that that last fight where like, you know, Bane like pummeled him. It's like really getting out of that trench. Like- Yeah, no, it's like be- it's like the video game, you found the weakness kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I just, you just 
And it's like, oh, really? Shocker. It's and holding on to the like, really weird thing he clearly breathes out of. Like, if you just sort of like hold on to that while you're yanked around by this giant man, then you'll win. It was so silly. And that then was Bane like silly. blinks a bunch of times <laughs> towards the end and then just disappears. Wait, I don't get that. Like in a video game. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so that was, I think that's really weird. And I don't like that those are the two like i said like yeah the villain deaths from uh the third batman um was my biggest what the fuck especially the marion cotier one which i was i was feeling a little self-conscious about because i we like just watched it so but yeah there's just so much about it that's so ugh, not great okay next cat Tugory? next cat most marathonable. Okay, I'll get us a lawyer, you guys. Sorry. Next award. <laughs> this really came down to two for me. Me too. Because of consistency and also like oneness of story. What it became the before trilogy and Lord of the Rings. That's what I have. I actually think Star Wars is. Well, that's the <laughs> only one. That's that's the only one that you and I literally marathoned. We watched them I, all in one night, and my first reaction for you is like, I don't think I need to ever do that again, or like really watch a Star Wars movie for a while. Okay, so here's why I would make the argument that I I would say marathonable and best are totally separate things. I think that's. Star Wars, there's just like, it's not, I like that it's not that much of the same, that they are kind of different, that, you know, they're not too long, um, that there's like highs and lows, like at some moments you're very earnestly loving it, and some moments you're like, oh, this is kind of so bad, it's good, and it's like nostalgic, like you're going through like, to me, spending too much time in one emotional space, like you would be for Lord of the Rings, or for which is like earnestly watching something good is exhausting. But Star Wars to me has a good combination of like actually cool moments and like, oh, it's so bad. It's good moments that to me, it keeps me interested. That's why I say it's the most marathonable. Hmm. Yeah, so you thought about that in a more literal way. I think of that as like- What could you stand to actually watch in a sitting? No, I was thinking in more of like, in in how i think about marathons and that it 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 should kind of fit together like it like marathon is like basically it's one movie like it could be oh. one movie that you'd watch for nine hours you know okay and all the rings and the befores work the best for that because lord of the rings like they kind of end and kind of begin but really the story is it's not it's not built to have three individualized movies. It's built to have one story that's just kind of split up almost in the books. It's more kind of ramshackle, but like in the movies, they've, they've done it so that there's a, there's a, there's a climax and some sort of conclusion, but, um, but it's still just kind of, it just moves along. And, be, the 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 smallness of the story in terms of character wise and obviously it, it just works every 10 years makes before before trilogy makes sense but i i picked 
Lord of the Rings for this because I don't when I when I watch when I finished watching one of the before movies, I did not instantly want to watch the next one. And not, yeah. I'm not saying that I want to do that every time I watch Lord of the Rings, but at least I kind of feel like I feel projected into the next movie, even if I don't act on that. With the before movies, it's like, wow, that's like I need to like get my headspace somewhere else maybe the most in the after the third movie like the second movie it was like i want to stay in this headspace whereas the third movie i was like oh, gee, i just i just like got tugged around all the time and and the, that was kind of the first movie too i didn't love the first movie um but but it just kind of it, it makes sense i can imagine marathoning that as more of an achievement than than any sort of pleasurable experience um and also it kind of makes sense to take a break because you're there at least they're taking 10 years between movies i actually think that the movies are doing a genius job of sort of like giving you an ellipses of like kind of being able to create a little fanfic in your head for a few hours afterward a day afterward especially after the second one and after the first one too because you imagine them getting back together um and you and that's why I would never want to marathon them I think watch them like with 48 hours apart for each is like perfect which is I think basically what I did this week I think that's perfect Andy I just suppose it pretty practically so I think Lord of the Rings is most likely to be the, the set of three movies that I would realistically stand to sit in front of a TV and watch with, with minimal breaks over the span of, I guess, nine hours to approximate it. Nine plus-ish. Uh, yeah. Maybe a little more than nine. <laughs> so long. Yeah, I mean, having having done it with Star Wars a few months ago, it wasn't a very... Uh, it wasn't a very good experience, and I, although I, I guess if you just did the math, the the Lord of the Rings extended editions are probably longer than the Godfathers, but there is a there's you know less seamlessness to the three Godfathers um, than compared because of the Lord of the Rings, like you said, obviously. I mean, the Lord of the Rings is supposed to be one thing. There, that really isn't the case with. I would and, say and, almost any other trilogy on this list. And it would be hard. It would be the least charitable watch of The Godfather 3 you could possibly do if you've already watched the 1 and 2 yeah. in quick succession before that. Yeah, yeah. I've never actually done it. Like, have either of you truly watched all three of them? In I a day? Or, yeah. I, it's fun. Rachel's gonna laugh. She's gonna make a face. We did on the first night, in the first day of of uh, reading days in college. My frisbee team had a tradition of picking a trilogy and watching all three of them and creating a drinking game around it for during the day. Um, and it was, I think, it was created around watching Lord of the Rings. It was created my freshman year around watching Lord of the Rings because. My friends lived by the dudes that created it. And I remember being so jealous. I was like, oh, that's like the height of coolness. Like, I want to be invited to something like that. And the fact that you roll in your freshman year and you got invited to that 
really pissed me off. <laughs> but that was like Nico, though, wasn't it? Was like, was that the height of cool? Who was the height of no, cool? No, it was like oh, it was Danny. Danny Hoppy. Oh, okay. That Should is saying that people's is full names. Whatever. The dudes in the quint. The dudes in the quint. Yeah. I yeah. thought that they were um, so cool. Invisible but and I kind of. I actually did kind of take over responsibility for the event, even though it kind of petered out by the end. But the ones I, I think they had just watched the other things. I don't know, but we watched the born and we watched toy story. We watched other things other than that. So I've never actually, I never marathoned any of the five trilogies that we watched. Right on brother. Or the four, five. Yeah. Five. Trilogies. Five. Anyway. Next award. Next award. Most consistent. most consistent. I say it goes to Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah. By far the it. most consistent. Yeah. I, I, I'd, I think, I'd say. Here, go ahead, Sam. I find Star Wars to be more consistent than I think you two do. Um, I like all the movies. I I think it has a. I'm, I might ha- think it has a l- lower ceiling than than most people do. I'm not like a huge Empire fan, but I like uh, Return of the Jedi. And I I like Return of the Jedi more than most people, I think. So I think that is pretty consistent. And I thought that the before movies were pretty consistent, but just like the the fact that I literally have, I don't really know which one of my favorite is this is the Lord of the Rings movies? It's usually one of the first two, um, but yeah, it's got to be Lord of the Rings for me. Yeah, I think that the befores to me are very consistent in quality and, but like emotional state, they're totally different. So I can't say that they're like, I don't know. We'll get to my deeper thoughts about the before movies later, and they're not that deep. They're like everybody's thoughts about the before movies, but um, I think that Star Wars. I think more, it's kind of like what you're saying, Sam, more than most people say, I think each movie is a mixed bag and each movie is not equally mixed bag, but like they're all mixed bags. So there, there's a consistency, like what I was saying with the marathonable, there are like sort of, I, I like this ironically, like so bad it's good moments, I think in each movie and there are genuinely quality moments in each movie. So like each movie is a mixed bag, that is consistent. But I would say like if, the Lord of the Rings is kind of Lord of the Rings most consistently maintains a level of like emotional investment, uh, quality, like feeling throughout the whole thing, action throughout the whole thing. It never really deviates and feels like now we're watching this kind of movie. We're now we're watching this kind of movie. We're always watching Lord of the Rings. Obviously it's a factor of like, they're all filmed at the same time. Like the writing was like done at the same time, but it's also just, yeah, like you said, Sam, like I will, the differences between my thoughts on each of them are so minute in terms of their quality uh, that every time I watch it, I have a different favorite. So that's why I say it's most consistent. Yeah, I think uh, Lord of the Rings just beats out Godfather for me. Um, I think they're all... I don't really quite know how to put it. You know, the grade point average of Godfather one and two is so high that it makes up for, I guess, Godfather three clearly being the worst of those six movies between the Lord of the Rings and, and the Godfather. Um, but it's very close. But I guess 
And I, like you were just saying, Rachel, like it helps that like they were all shot at this, like they're, they're one movie almost, you know, they're shot at the same time, directed by the same person. It's the same cast, you know, the same crew. There wasn't like audience reactions in between the movies that like rejiggered, like yeah. how much screen time things yeah. got. And that's a great point. Cause that, it, that it's funny looking back on something like that. I always think about that when I see, when I know that, Black Panther and um, Civil War. No, um, one. I think Infinity War. Black Panther came out after they before. filmed Infinity War. Yeah. So they didn't know that Black Panther was going to be such a hit, and I feel like they would have mm, yeah. put it in more. It's kind of like the reverse thing, but yeah. Yeah. Next award. Uh, yeah. Is our next award high ceiling, lowest floor? I have a within movies one and between movies one. So for my like, I, I I'm just gonna say both, even though if if I'm totally misinterpreting it, I think within a movie, like within one movie, the highest ceiling, lowest floor is Empire Strikes Back. I think there's some moments in Empire Strikes Back that are bad, like genuinely bad. Uh, I, namely, a lot of the stuff on the, like Sam, you were saying, the Han and Leia stuff is like sometimes kind of hard to watch at the beginning. Um, also, I mean, even maybe it's not just Empire Strikes Back, but Return of the Jedi I also think is very high ceiling lows for because there's some very cool stuff in Return of the Jedi and some very bad stuff in Return. So is that you mean more so? Mm-hmm. And then. Um, but over the movies, like for the series, it's Godfather. Three is bad. Well, it's not bad. I actually don't think three is like tragic. I think if three yeah. came out by itself, it would be like meh. But compared to the other two, it's the lowest floor compared yeah. to the highest. And scene. that may be its biggest issue as a movie. But it's is compared the fact to the other two. It's compared to the other two. Because yeah. it's comedic compared to the other two, how bad it is. But that's just a comparative thing. Andy, what what's your highest ceiling most floor? I guess either the so the Batman movies or the before movies. I mean, the three worst movies of these 15 for me are easily before midnight, Batman begins, and I guess like the Dark Knight rises. Um, and the Dark Knight is like far from the best movie on this list in my opinion but like say like the dark knight compared to batman begins is like like i was in pain watching batman begins when we it's really bad for this like batman begins is so bad um probably yeah, it's probably the worst of the 15 and although like i said yeah dark knight probably not the like the best but the gulf between those two is 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 so enormous and kind of like i watching before sunrise again didn't really like it that much like i find ethan hawk pretty great and again that's kind of when we talked about when harry met it's kind of like when harry met sally and i think we had a conversation about this last year um for the rom-com episode like how much of that is like intentional so you kind of grow and it's you know it's sort of you know imitating you know, how a partner of his would, would grow to, you know, 
adapt to Deal him with change him? for and, and yeah and how and how and then also like how he just you know matures as as a person because he is much different and, and more enjoyable and um before sunset um but yeah i mean independent of that analysis i do just find him pretty grating and hard to hard to watch and oh, in the I, first one and y'all are crazy and just it was the, like yeah. it was also like the woody allenness of a lot of the shit he was saying was like just the way he yeah. was like maybe not the, i would say uh, she is a lot more woody allen-y than he is oh i find him i found him to be like all the worst parts of a Woody Allen character put into like a oh, 21 year old crazy uh and just found him so insufferable but in a but in a believable way I thought it was just like I don't really want to be watching this even though I believe that this is a real person because I don't want to be around this real person um but yeah, would... we, we'll get into that I think at a later time um I I'm not here for the before movie slander. Oh, no, no, no. It's, but th- that's the thing is that it works well within a trilogy because yeah. I love him so much more in Before Sunset. What I love about him in Before Sunrise is this, the fact that he just wants to spend a lot of time with this woman and he, and they both want to spend so much time with him, especially, he just wants to be around her, but he ha- feels this gen like X need to be like clever and ironic all the time. So he's just a sad puppy dog who just is just very transfixed by this woman, but he's constantly coming up with these thought experiments to justify them being around each other. And I just find that so cute. Yeah. He's just, yeah, he's so, he's so painfully aware of her at all times. Like he is always doing or saying something in relation to her, whereas she's actually kind of, doing her own thing to a certain extent throughout the movie even when she's talking to him like she's not everything she's saying is not to impress him um but he's also yeah i mean i just can't stand like the the hopeless romantic who wants to who so badly wants to be a cynic like that is his character in that movie uh and it it, yeah it it got tiring um i my highest ceiling was for is the godfather uh because and this might have been just because i had never seen it and it and it felt so new and interesting i thought i thought they got it my order for for the movies goes in order they were made i'm a one two three is one two three kind of guy um so the the gulf between godfather part one and godfather part three is ginormous um and i have a similar to andy i i I think dark knight is not obviously the greatest movie of any of these whereas whereas godfather one might be um but i also kind of have a special place in my heart for batman begins specifically partially because i have a huge crush on katie or had a huge crush on katie holmes from rachel and i blame that on you rachel for watching dawson's creek um (laughs) Uh, the only acceptable person to have a crush on after watching Dawson's Creek is Pacey and if you insist on being a straight man it is the person who played Andy very cute I got nothing um, horny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and the fact it, the it's a testament to how much I had a crush on her that the first time I saw Dark Knight I was angry <laughs> that it was Maggie Jones <laughs> <laughs> wow you were going to admit me- that 
it took me to my another couple watchings to realize how much terrible, how much better it was that she was in that movie. I heard is not. She's not a slouch, no. But it's just I just had a specific connection to Katie Holmes, and we'll leave it at that. Um, I heard I heard Dark Knight, but I was processing it as Batman Begins, and I thought you were saying the first time I saw Batman Begins, (laughs) I had to change my shorts. (laughs) No, 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 no. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that yeah, minus Godfather. I'm happy that we didn't all pick Godfather though. I think that it's like to me the lowest floor, the lowest floor is Batman, but the highest ceiling is Godfather. So it's like it's tricky. Like, are you measuring it? It's like you're distant. It's different. But I think that they are very close. Um next okay, award so is best quote. Oh, best score. Yeah, best score. Sorry. Are we are we uh, are we going chalk with uh, with uh, AFI here? I totally am. Yeah, I think it's Lord of the Rings. Is I thought close, you would be, but yeah, I mean, how how could you not? I, especially, I guess we're just like the main theme. There's probably a more official term for the. The, oh, the fan or no because that's it's the 20th century fox fanfare into the da, 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 i'm not gonna do it but um like whatever plays over the 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 title card going down into the crawl and whatever the force i think the fourth the force theme is the name of the luke skywalker scene looking at the twin sunset which is obviously amazing the han and leia theme classic um yeah i mean i think that most iconic definitely goes to star wars but like lord of the rings makes me cry like there's something that's just much more pulling at the heartstring about the lord of the rings score there's like more pathos in it i don't think it's as clever or as like epic or as like i said like iconic as the but there's something about the lord of the rings one that's a little bit more moments where it's so much more tender and like especially the way it's used in the movie is so much more tender that i i do want to like shout it out for that reason there's like uh, an earnestness to it that i'll I go love. farther than just shouting it out i'll pick lord of the rings oh wow i think, I think it's partially just because i i enjoy the actual kind of style in which i enjoy the more string less the kind of um less horn less well there's horns very very well used in like the rohan theme um Mm. but that's also violins but a lot more strings a little uh less marchy um and more kind of like irish irish they're just kind of like the country i mean the shire theme just like put it's like sets me down right where i need to be like this and um that's true for so many of the other themes too i love the Gondor yeah. theme, the, the Rohan, like all of the different themes. It, I think it's not because it's more like s- space re- than than person theme. The Star Wars, I think, is the smarter composition because you have like people that you get a feel for rather than in in the in the Lord of the Rings. You have like when the hobbits are somewhere. And something especially hobbity happens or they're thinking about the Shire, you'll hear the Shire theme 
because it's place related rather than person related, which is how Star Wars works. Mm. Yeah, I also think that like like you're saying, Sam, I think it's interesting about the strings because I remember, yeah, music theory, according to Adele Cecilia Murphy, our grandmother would always say that violin was the closest to a human voice. Shouldn't use so like the string, names. the strings, well, I think it's fine. <laughs> uh, the strings like make it just feel more human, which is probably like why, yeah, that's just an interesting difference between that and the Star Wars one. I see, yeah, I'll pick, I'll pick Lord of the Rings. I'll do it. Yeah, I think it's so close. Like, I would not want... I, I, the Lord of the Rings one is perfect A-plus for... They're both A-plus. It's just like, which one do you prefer?